0: There's nothing better than to know that somebody loves you more than you know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. As our brother said, Lord, I don't want to be in another place than being here, worshiping you, giving you thanks, giving you glory, Lord. You deserve this day. And Lord, as we continue on, I need you to put me in my place, behind you. I want you in front of me. Lord, I want you to speak to these people. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength, but I can rely on you. So please, Lord, we just don't want to tickle some ears today and touch some hearts. We want to change hearts today. Not because of my message, but it's because it's you. You want to say these words, so please keep me at bay. And we just want to say thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start out with a question Have you experienced a miracle? A time where you didn't lift a finger and God did all the work. A miracle so big that seemed impossible at first, but the Lord showed you how much bigger he was. It was wow. You thought, it, you thought never in a million years would this work out at the end, but the Lord proved himself to you personally that he is still God. It was a faith builder. I want you to pull that event one of those events out of your memory bank and put it in front of you for a few minutes. We're going to talk about that. You know, I'll, I'll be the first one to share. When our son was a little over a year old, he, he had some internal bleeding in his body. The, Lord, uh, the, the doctor said he might, have some bu- he might have a bulge in his intestine that's ready to burst. And for, the doctor said it's pretty painful. Very, the pain is horrific. So we had to do some tests. He had to do a scan. So just give you a little brief history on Ethan, um, he didn't, hardly took naps. And if he did, it was less than 10 minutes. He hardly slept at night, so it was difficult for everyone. So he was always moving, as, you know, just like any normal child. But as soon as we got to the hospital, we went into this room, Brittany and I, and we saw this big machine, it was the big scanning machine. Very intimidating and looks very uncomfortable. And then and you, have, you see this little hole where your child's going to be inserted in. So I said, Lord, so I prayed, Lord, this is not going to work out. Ethan's going to fight tooth and nail to get out of there. He, he's going to scream. He's going to cry himself to death in there. So I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something here. Lord, create a miracle to... Cancel the appointment to have the doctor say, you know what, I'm too busy. There, we, had, we don't have time. We don't have enough staff. Lord, I, I want you to break the machine if you have to. Lord, basically, I told him, Lord, I want you to show yourself in this event. So as the nurse was putting, him, putting the gown on him and laid him, he starts going in. I said, Lord, what happened? Did you, did you fail me in here? What happened? As he was going in there, you can tell the the machine is this close to him. So it's pretty uncomfortable. And so Brittany and I are behind the glass door in the, the other room. And I didn't hear any noise. I didn't hear any commotions. He was not moving. And I said, nurse, I need you to stop. There's something wrong. He's not moving. It's not making any noise. It's not right. I need you to get him out there. Nurse says, hold on. Let's take a look. We can show it in the video screen. Look at, oh, he's right there. He fell asleep. Mind you, the whole process for 45 minutes. He slept through the entire process. Now, for some of you, it's not a big thing, right? But Brittany and I got home, and the first thing I did, I knelt down on my knees and I said, I am sorry, Lord, for doubting you. I thought I knew my son better than you did. He told me, Alan, I love your son more than you do. I knew what was going to happen before you even asked me. So two things happened that day. One is the Lord prepared Brittany nice hearts. Because in the next few days, he was going to have surgery. But we, my, I felt more comfortable because of what happened that day. Second, my faith. And this is the biggest thing. My faith went to the next level. So today, we're going to take a, talk about Gideon. How the Lord increased his faith in God after several wow factors. Wow events, as I would say. The story of one of the, one of the biggest underdogs who won the battle. Scared, insecure, outnumbered, and weak, the Lord shows here what he can do with our little and make it a big miracle. So I got three points today. First point is God deserves precedence, second, God wants obedience. Third, God is not limited by our impossibilities. This is all through the story of Gideon, by the way. The story of Gideon can be found in the book of Judges. And for ta- the sake of time, I'll just summarize what's going on. Basically, the Israelites now felt like the Lord had deserted them. For seven years, the Midianites and the Amalekites plundered their crops they had no way to defend themselves since they were too many to count. God finally called Gideon to lead an army to defeat them. But something had to happen first. Something had to take place first. Let's read our first text. Let's read Judges six twenty-five to 26. It says, That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, And the one seven years old, listen to this, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the the Asherah pole beside it. Gideon just built an altar for the Lord while his father's altar to Baal was still in existence. See, in the Lord's eyes, this can't work. This doesn't work for the Lord. You can only serve one master. In a nutshell, God said to Gideon, first things first. Let's fix the root cause of how you got here in the first place. Before I do anything else, I need you to take down all the idols and then build an altar for me instead. God wanted to fix his relationship with Gideon first and foremost. Before God can work in our lives, he wants to make sure the bond is still there between us. That our first love didn't fade out. That he is still number one in our lives. Is he? I'm asking you, dear brothers and sisters. Or is someone or something coming close to first place? If there is, we need to take it down. Is there sin? Then we need to cut it down. God cannot work miracles in our lives if there's someone else taking his place or there's evil in our hearts. God never withholds miracles. That's what sin does. And did you notice something here? See, the Malachites were not the problem. The Midianites were never the issue. See, in our eyes, they were. But they were actually the consequences. Gideon started blaming God when the only one to blame was himself and his people. It was the heart of Gideon... And his people that instigated the whole problem in the first place. Let's do some investigating. Let's read Judges 6 1. Judges 6 1. It states that the Israel did what? Evil. evil. Yeah, that's right. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. In God's eyes, he gave them so many changes. Seven years that's a long time. See, whether you like it or not, you have placed something first in your life. Have you ever stopped to consider what or who occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether it truly deserves that honor? Is God truly the center of our lives? Well, you might say, I don't bow down to statues like Gideon did, so this this doesn't apply to me. But let's be honest. Let's ask the real question here. What or who occupies the throne of our hearts? Is it our savings, making more money, our career status, a family, family member perhaps, social status? Oh, yeah. A hobby, a material thing? Sometimes these things take God's place in our lives and we don't even know it. Matthew 6.33 states, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What does this mean? When we put God first, everything else falls into place. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. That void... That void that we've been trying to fill with worldly pleasures, it's gone. We can only find true and complete fulfillment in him. Let's put him first. Second point, God wants obedience. I like this one. God wants obedience, not excuses. Let's read Judges 6, 12 to 15. Judges 6, 12 to 15, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon... He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever asked that question? Why is this happening to me? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. He's pointing fingers. And given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Here we go. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. There's a lot of me, myself, and I in there. Gideon basically told God you got the wrong guy. God, you mistake me for someone else. Have you seen my past? Better yet, have you seen my resume? And throughout the Bible, we've seen the same excuse. Moses, remember Moses? Moses said it didn't make sense for God to use him to deliver Israel from Egypt. Moses said, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah was called to be a prophet for God. But he said, "Oh, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. God called Gideon to do something for him, and all he gave back was blames and excuses. Has God called you to do something? Perhaps a ministry that's out of your comfort zone. Share your faith with someone else. Help another person who's needy. Wouldn't it be better if someone else did it? I'm I'm not good at it. I'm not the right person. What's your excuse? Listen, God knew your weaknesses before He ever called you. He's not surprised by your weaknesses. He created He created you, so He knows very well what you can and cannot do. And that's why his answer to Gideon was the same as his answer to you. The Lord said, I will be with you. Gideon must have had selective hearing because he thought he will be alone defeating the Midianites. But he wasn't. God was on his side. And when God is on your side, believe me, you will always be in the winning side. The Lord said, go in the strength that you have. What strength? Gideon was hiding in, in the hole. <laughs> the little strength that you have? Yes, go with that and the Lord will fill the rest. You say you only have 1% of strength? Yes, go and the Lord will fill that 99, the rest of the 99%. See, the Lord sees the bigger picture. God wants obedience not excuses. Isn't it amazing that the all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, great God can do anything and yet he chooses you and me to accomplish his plan and his will. What a privilege. Did you also know that obedience is better than any sacrifice we can ever make? Better than anything we can do for God. Some might say, I'm the first one at church and the last one to leave. Ah, I tied I more than anyone else. I help and serve multiple days a week. I read three chapters of the Bible every day. That's all great. That, that's amazing. That's awesome, actually. But if you're not obeying God, it will all be in vain. You can tire yourself out all day on serving him, but if you're not obeying God it will all be fruitless. Obedience goes deeper into the heart. It shows willingness and faith, and without faith, you cannot obey God. So after a lot of convincing, we know the story, Gideon finally decided to answer God's call, even when it did not make sense to him. We must remember that obedience to our Lord defies logic And is never swayed by our emotions. Sometimes it doesn't have to make sense to obey God. But he doesn't want your understanding anyway. He wants your obedience. So stop calculating and deciphering his methods. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to obey God. But we still need to, whatever mood you're in. Put faith forward and put aside your feelings. Gideon did. As confused as he was, as doubts arise in his thoughts and fear went in his heart, he put his faith and all his cards in to God. No matter how impossible, they sound and look. Which brings me to my last point. God is not limited by our impossibilities. So here we go. Gideon Just got an army of 32,000 men versus probably more than 100,000 men. So he's thinking, this might actually work if we fight smart. But God said, you have too many and that you need to trim your army not once, but twice. The first trim was from 32,000 to 10,000, simply by asking the men to go home if they were afraid. They skedaddleed. Then listen to this. Then from 10,000 to 300 by simply how they drank the water from the river. 32,000. 32,000 to 300. Their mission now moved from level very difficult to impossible. The 300 men left must have thought this was a suicide mission now. That no man or that no man has or will ever defeat this kind of enemy before. They'd never seen or heard odds like this. In their eyes, the fight was hopeless and futile. And that's exactly how the Lord wants it. But wait, the Lord's not even done yet. He's just getting started. And setting the whole scene for his glory. Weapons and attack strategy... We're next on the list. So God figured Gideon was freaking out a bit. So he offered him to go and do some recon on the enemy territory to give him some kind of encouragement. So, so he gets there with his servant, Pura, who, by the way, was an encourager and comfort for Gideon. He would have not been there if it weren't for his servant, Pura. And by the way, I, I want to pause here for a second because I want to thank you for the poorest in this church. The great encouragers, the people that comfort, I need you. We all need you. This world needs it more than anything else. Please continue on. In this, in this next one, I want to summarize, but I, I want to read it because I can't make this up. I really can't. Let's read Judges seven thirteen to 14. Listen to this. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His, his friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelites. Pause. Let's discuss that for a little bit. Does that even make sense? So, first off, Gideon and Purah, when they got there to the enemy's camp, had hundreds and thousands of people to visit. They came, about, they came to these two people that were talking about him. What are the chances on that, right? Then, some, the first dude comes in and says, you know, I had a dream. Wonder bread came down tumbling in my, my camp and obliterated everything. That's weird enough in itself. But then the second dude comes in and says, you know what? I know what you're talking about. It's actually the sword of Gideon that did that. If you were Gideon and you heard this, what would you say? Lord, only you can make this up. Right? Right? So Gideon was just about to tell his men. He was now encouraged said, yes, okay, we, we can defeat him. After hearing this thing, these two guys. So Gideon was just about to tell his men back at the camp how they're going to defeat the enemy. So I can just envision now the conversation between Gideon and his men. Put yourself in one of the 300 men. See, if I was one of the 300, this is what I would have probably said Captain Gideon. Hey, Sir Gideon. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I know you just came back from spying on the enemy. Listen, my buddies and I were just talking about uh, how we're going to do this. But uh, um, Oh, by the way, my name is Alan. I'm a professional assassin. I have 50 kills on my, um, on my resume, so I know what I'm talking about. Here's my plan. Here's a map of the lay- layout of the, the land. I'm thinking of putting soldiers, foot soldiers over here putting snipers on these sections over here. I'm going to take 30 of your men, and I'm going to, just 30. You can have the rest. And we're going to hide over here and, 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 and surprise, do a surprise attack. Believe me, I've done this before, 50 years of experience. I know how to kill. This is probably the best scenario I can give you. Listen to me. And guess what? I, I also have this sword. It's a two-edged sword. It has a, it's the newest thing. It's the newest thing now. It, you put a, a poison in there. So if you struck someone, they're doomed to die. What, what do you think? Gideon. You know what? No, what, about that. No, we're, we're not going to use that weapon. You, you see that jar behind you? Yeah, the, the one with the water in it? Yeah, pick that, take out the water and bring it over here. And, and you see that torch over in the wall? Yeah, bring that over here too. And lastly, you see that trumpet on the display wall? Bring it over here. Lay it, out, lay it all in here. Yeah, yeah. This is what we're going to use to defeat and kill all the 100, 135,000 men, strong men, and we're going to kill them w- with these things. If you were there, if you were one of the 300, what would you say? Crazy. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's like, you know, I'm dead. I'm just going to say bye to my family now. Right? See, in my eyes, in my eyes, I'm trying to help the situation. But in God's eyes, I'm actually in his way. I'm creating more problems when the Lord already got the solution. Now, you've got to remember, the level went from impossible now to ridiculous. A level where we say, are you kidding me? Lord, how can I possibly afford that? Lord, how do you expect me to deal with this family member? Lord, I can't handle another health problem. Why is this happening to me? I know those questions are no stranger to you. Believe me, believe me, I know it's hard to see past the circumstances of what we're going through. But that's when faith comes in. This is the time we know where your faith stands. By faith, we should know that with God, we can do whatever he asks us to do. Too many people raise the white flag way too quick when it looks tough or it looks there's not a way. When you don't see any way, Jesus is the way. God can do through you what you can never do yourself. Our one job, we only have one job, not to give up. Never, ever give up. So what's that mountain in your life that's too big to handle? God is in the mountain-moving business. All He requires of you is a mustard seed faith. And it's not faith in yourself, it's faith in God. George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Another quote from Warren Wearsby Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable. And to expect what seems impossible. And finally, D.L. Moody states if God is your partner, make your plans big and impossible. Amen. In conclusion, some of us have missed out way too long because we sat back and refused to give God control of our life. You're trying to analyze every move that God makes and you're trying to force it to fit your limited understanding of how life should work. Stop. Please stop. Stop trying to make sense of God. It will never work. Instead, obey him and don't have any questions. Don't, don't question him. And experience the victory again because we know that he has our best interest. The lesson we can learn from Gideon is very simple because when you look back throughout the story, God asked Gideon to do some things that made no sense. Absolutely no sense. Asking a weak and scared nobody to lead an army? That makes no sense. Telling him to, that he has too many men to win the battle? No, it doesn't make any sense. Telling Gideon to trim down the army when they were already outnumbered? Sounds ridiculous. Using a dream of a loaf of bread to encourage Gideon? Sounds ridiculous. Instructing Gideon to use jars and trumpets to defeat the massive army? That doesn't make any sense. But often God's ways won't seem to fit the realm of our simple human understanding. Isaiah 55, 9. It says, God puts it very simply. The heavens are higher than the earth. As as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. doesn't have to make sense to you or to me. God's ways are much higher than yours. God's thoughts are much higher than yours. You see moment, but God sees eternity. He is the all-powerful God who created the world. He's not subject to the laws of the world. The laws of the world are subject to him. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people in this room and hearing my voice who, just like Gideon, are facing an enemy that seems, that seems unbeatable. They feel like they're going up against several armies with only a small amount they feel like they've, they're completely outnumbered. The odds seem insurmountable. The, en- the enemy is too big, but you say, I'm bigger. Let us stick to your promise, Lord. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. That all your power is made perfect in our weakness. Help us. Help us to keep obeying you. Put you First even when it doesn't make any sense. Help us not to give up. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.